A to Z time once again, kids. Oh, we're finally back. We've had some serious shit. We had a giant winter storm. There's been some demolition in this house. There has. We are fucking ready, man. We're here. And we are ready to fucking cast some pods so fucking hard, dog. How far are you going to cast it? I'm going to cast it like like a fucking... If the golden bear was a fisherman, that's how far I'm going to cast it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. I'm going to cast it hard, man. Yeah. (laughs) That was like like so many different jokes. That's like like cast iron right there. (laughs) I'm going to cast iron giant this motherfucker so hard. Shake that rust off. Maybe we shouldn't record it. (laughs) Maybe it should be our last episode. (laughs) We got to at least get to 69. Come on. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Once we get to 69, can we just start naming 69 A, B, C, D, and just for always? I'm in. Yeah. What a time it's been, eh? Sure has. We've had, uh, let's see, we've had a giant winter storm. We have. We've had you getting your kitchen remodeled, and that is not a euphemism. Your kitchen literally got remodeled. Looks very good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Giant shout out to all the boys who helped. Absolutely. Sorry I couldn't be there. Josh, Will, Justin, Daniel. Not a boy, but Rachel also. What did Rachel really do, though? Let's be honest here. She did good. She matched up the patterns for me, made sure the pattern didn't repeat too often. Because we had eight different colored boards. Okay, and, yeah, that's yeah. what you need chicks for. That's oh, yeah. fair. Because yeah, like, and she was moving them back and forth. She had a good, she had a good system there. Those fucking guys will just like slam them in there. It doesn't matter. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> fucking floor's done. I'm trying to walk on shit. Yeah. I need beer. And then she, uh, she helped me pick out lights at Home Depot for the, the hallway. Excellent. Big uh, thank you guys. We appreciate it. Sorry I couldn't be there. I um I turned into a fifty year old man last week. About time. And like fucking threw my back out and couldn't walk for about two days. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to help at all because I can't fucking move. Likely excuse. That was uh <laughs> at one point I was googling where the appendix was in your body because mm-hmm. I was nervous that I had like burst my appendix and was gonna die like of blood poisoning. And it turns out it wasn't where it hurt the most was not where the appendix was. So I was like, okay, cool. This is just like a muscle nerve thing. That's okay. I can live through that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like worried I was going to die Allegedly. of blood poisoning. And it just fucking put a heat pad on me, which I hate because I fucking want to be cold when I'm asleep. It helps me sleep better. Oh, as you're sleeping. Okay. Yeah. So I was like using a heat pad and doing a bunch of stretches like as much as I could and things like that. I'm feeling pretty all right now. You should have just crashed Rachel and Daniels while we were here and just sat in the hot tub all day. Oh my God, right? That would have been so good. If only I could have gotten into a car at the time. Oh yeah. That that poses an issue. (laughs) It literally, it took me 20 minutes to get off the floor. Oh. (laughs) I laid on my back to stretch out a little bit and then it took me... I couldn't straighten my legs out while I was laying on my back. That hurt too much. And then it took me 20 minutes to roll over to my side and then sit back up in the couch. Like It, it was like a 70-step process. Wow. And it was about five minutes each step. I was, oh my god, I hated it. Like, I'm going to be terrible. If I ever live to be old enough, which, let's be honest, that's not gonna, I'm going to die in about 10 years. Yeah. But if I ever live to be like an old man... And I'm, like, that kind of invalid. I'm going to be, like, just jamming shit in my neck, just trying to end it, because I could not stand it. It made me so angry. Oh, I thought you were doing, like, painkillers. Like, you're going to just inject yourself with morphine to try to I mean, I guess morphine would have helped, but I, just, yeah. I, I hated not being able to walk and, like, be a fairly able-bodied person. Because, like, <laughs> I'm not in the greatest of shape, but I'm fairly okay. You know, I can do everything that I need to do, and I, just, I felt so weak and, like, soft. <laughs> I, just, I was just like, leave me out. Leave me out of the tribe. The pack must continue. Leave me to die for the lions. I'm done with this. <laughs> it, it, it fucking, I hated it so much. Like My fucking brain does not handle that shit well. When I feel like... Less than. Not even that, but just like feel invalid. Like I just I, I can't handle it. Because I just... I, I've always... The other thing where I was like, well, yeah, I can always handle myself, though. Fuck everybody else. I can watch out for myself. And I'm like, I need help standing up right now. So, <laughs> fucking let me die. <laughs> Take me to the cliff. But yeah, so that, that was fun. Good. You guys did a lot of good work, though. So everybody else is being productive. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see, what else happened big? Tom Brady has fully uh, oh, here we go. confirmed that he is the greatest of all time, and all no right. one can now argue with it. Right? He just had to fucking do it in the NFC South, didn't he? He has Goddamn. more Super Bowl rings than any NFL franchise in history. Think about that. And he took the losingest team in NFL history and yeah. made him Super and then Bowl champions. And drug them to the Super Bowl with his greatness and his beautiful jawline. That's enough of that. And now, uh... I mean, you can be manly. Like everybody knows that I'm a pastor of the Church of Brady. 
But I don't need to force my beliefs on you. Because if you're not smart enough to realize he's the greatest of all time... I didn't say he wasn't. Not one on not one time did I That's say on. that he wasn't. I'm, I'm fine if you're just a hater. That doesn't okay. bother me when somebody hates him. It bothers me when people are like, he was not even that good of a quarterback. Like He's always got people helping him. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, if he, you don't want to watch football, that's fine. Like, You know who else had a lot of people helping him? Uh, fucking Brett Varb. How many Super Bowls did he have? I think one. I think he's got one ring, maybe. Or does he not have no. a ring at all? No, he has at least one. He has one. He might have two. I don't think Favre's got two. I think Favre's got one. I know he made it more than one. I'm just saying, like, yeah. Tom Brady's also the first NFL player to win a Super Bowl in three different decades, which is kind of a fun thing about longevity. Yeah. When he was born, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't exist. That wasn't a team yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, think about that. He's the greatest. What's he going to do next year? Do you think he just starts his own team? He might as well. He's just like, fuck it, the NFL's mine. I just decide where I want to go. He's like Thanos. He's like the Thanos of the NFL. Only he wins. Yeah. Roger Goodell's trying to figure out how to go back in time and stop his dad from coming and his mother to make sure it doesn't happen. That's kind of a weird thing. You're like, you haven't heard much about him at all. Who, Thanos? No, Goodell. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it was right Thanos. Yeah, of course not. Goodell's keeping his fucking head down because he knows that fucking Brady's after him. Because <laughs> he's trying to besmirch his career the entire time because he hates Tom Brady. And he's always hated the Patriots. And now he really hates Tom Brady because, like, fuck, he just keeps doing it. Although, really, I guess if he's good enough at uh, marketing, he wants Tom Brady to keep winning. Yeah. Tom Brady's become, like, the heel of the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, it was, oh, like, yeah. like what The Rock used to be. Or, like, what Stone Cold used to see Boston. Like, people yeah, want to like, tune in to watch him lose. You get, like, more views hoping people watch him lose, and then he just keeps winning, and everybody just hates him so much. Yeah. And, like, at some point, he's going to, like, lose and retire, and somebody be like, oh, fucking I don't, think he, I don't think he will. I think he's just going to doubt it. I think he's going to explode into, like, the stardust mm-hmm. and, like, create his own planet of just uh, Tom Brady's. And he'll ascend humanity and take us into the path of the singularity. We'll be all right. Would that team even be good, though? Like, he can't really catch. We've seen that before. <clears throat> he can catch anything. He can do anything he wants. He can block. He can catch. He knows football better than anybody else except for Bill Belichick. Can he kick, though? I don't know. He's got some long legs. I think he could... I thought th- th- he can kick. I think he can do whatever he wants. He's proven that. He'd probably just go for two every time anyway, so... That is true. All you gotta do for the kickoff. He so. just wants those points. Yeah. He's hungry for points. Oh, hey. Me and Emma finally watched a new movie. Because, you know, we always complain about me not watching new movies. I just watch, like, the same shit over and over again. Basically, yeah. Which is funny, because Valentine's Day... Which was just last Sunday. Me and Emma celebrated by going to the bar and drinking beers and shooting pool. There you go. But we both woke up pretty pretty early and she made pancakes. And I was drinking coffee. Heart shaped? Yes. A couple of them were. I mean, I guess. I, I call them ass shaped because that's how I want an ass to look. It's like a heart. It's perfect. Okay. so good. Like an upside down heart? I don't care. Oh, okay. however, however she wants to sit. I don't. It's not my business. Okay. I'm a feminist. <laughs> But uh, just to be, you know, I figured I'd try something new, so I watched both the Boondock Saints movies again, because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen them in about a month. Right. I thought I'd double check up, make sure they're still good movies. Okay. They are, all by right, the way. Right. She was not happy about it. <laughs> She's like, why do you, every time you always watch these movies, when she said, she goes, you've never watched just one of these. Every time you watch one of them, you watch the other one every fucking time. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's partly Amazon's fault. Then it's like, watch next, and it's fucking the next one pops up, and I'm like, yeah, of course I'll watch that. Why would I not? <laughs> Boondock Saints rules, and then I watch it. Uh, but no, me and Emma yesterday watched uh, The Lobster. Finally. Ooh, nice. Fucking loved it. I'm Good. sorry it took me fucking four or five years to get to it. I apologize. It's fine. It did finally get there. It's on uh, the Amazon Prime Showtime channel. Okay. If you guys want to watch it. It is amazingly good. Yeah. I fucking adored it. I knew you would, man. It's like it's 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 your kind of good weird. Like, oh yeah, it's right up my fucking alley. Oh, I was yeah. like, I was, a, I, I just I love dark comedies, mm-hmm. and like that thing is done in such a dry British dark comedy kind of way that I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah, Colin Plus, Farrell was so great in it. He's hilarious in it. John C. Riley. 
<laughs> the toaster. Like, is John Z. Raleigh just a really good actor? Like, I he think does, so, dude. He does yeah. really good things in like everything he's been in. Like, I think Will Ferrell's dragging John C. Riley down. I'll you, be honest. You, with you can easily make that point with me right now. Yeah. I think John C. Riley is funnier than Will Ferrell. I know this sounds like blasphemy here, but I think John C. Riley is a better, like, more talented person than Will Ferrell is. Yeah, I gotta say it. He was really good in that. Like, he was very, like, grounded and real with his acting. He wasn't, like, showboating it up and being oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he totally oh, he, got what the movie was. You felt for him. Like, yeah. He totally got what the movie was and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I am glad they didn't make him do a British accent because I don't think he can. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Not everybody's great with accents. I'm not great with accents. It's fine. But, uh, you know, he was really good in that. I liked it a lot. And then Rachel Weiss is in it, and mm-hmm. she's... She's still so hot. So I know you don't have to worry about it because you got Emma and that's kind of like a, a love that's going to last, but what, what animal would you do? Octopus. Ooh. That's pretty good. Octopus. See, because octopuses are almost as smart as humans. They're very smart animals. Mm-hmm. And they also fuck a lot. And that's kind of oh. my thing. What about you? And the water thing. You're it is true. Do. I, yeah. I do like the water. But yeah, octopuses are cool. That's like my favorite animal. So I'm going to go Octopus. Well, it's a bit controversial because it's. I, I know I'm gonna get like attacked and hunted and stuff, but I just a rhinoceros sounds so cool. You go rhino? Yeah, I think so. But just stay away from any like Chinese dude who can't get a boner. You okay. should be all right. All right. I know. Is that elephants? Which one is it? No, I think it's rhino. The rhinos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just stay away from Chinese dudes who have a flaccid dick. Okay. And you should be fine. There's probably a lot of those though, so I'm gonna be. No, dude, you can be a rhino, and then you can be part of that, like, because there's that squad of, like, Israeli girls who were, like, part of the IDF or whatever the fuck, and then they move to Africa and are just, like, protecting rhinos from poachers, and it's all just a bunch of hot Israeli chicks making sure you stay alive. I can handle that. Right? Like, yeah. that's that's a fucking dream right there. there that's what everybody wants. Yeah. It's a good pick, though, rhino. Thanks. Is it just because you like Bebop and Rocksteady so much for the Ninja Mutant Ninja Turtles? Partially, yeah. <laughs> And I'm a Paul Giamatti fan from <clears throat> Spider-Man. So. Ooh, yeah. For that 10-second uh, cameo that he had. Mm-hmm. It was fucking the best part of the film. Sadly, it was. But no, I love, like, The Lobster was amazing. That was right up my alley. Yeah. I'd like, I mean, I almost want to watch it again, like, right now. I just watched it yesterday. I'm like, I could totally watch that movie again right now yeah. and still enjoy it. That's what Josh and I both talked about then, like, because we saw it in theaters when it came out. And then we were both like, oh, we need to rewatch it sometime, like, just to... Because, like, there's so many animals, like, peppered in the background that you mm-hmm. can just... There's, you know there's shit that there's, like, oh, man, there's Easter eggs there for sure. Oh, yeah. There's gotta be. Yeah, they have, like, camels walking in the background. There's, like, mm-hmm. a flamingo out of nowhere. And they're all, like... They're in, like, an island on Ireland or somewhere yeah, like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That was really well done. And mm-hmm. apparently, the lady who plays the, like, um, director of the place they're at, like, the hotel, the hotel. or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they call it, she is apparently the queen in the crown. Oh, really? Yeah, Emma let me know that. Okay. Olivia Coleman, that's her name. Oh no, shit, that yeah. was her. Okay, yeah, yeah she's well, she's in that. his other movie then that we watched, The Favorite. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's a good movie. That's the same director. Yeah, that, that guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, if we can get him and Taika Waititi together, oh man, we can make such a good movie. They might not get anything done. They just talk to each other forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually probably it mm-hmm. would just turn into like a documentary of them just watching movies together, mm-hmm. <laughs> drinking beers. <laughs> Be like this is the greatest podcast that's ever happened. <laughs> No, I was a big fan of it. It's, just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's what I fucking complain about on this podcast all the time. Is it like, fucking just do something different. I've seen that like, you make six movies a year. It's all the same fucking shit. We finally got something new. I mean, not finally. This was like five years ago. Yeah. But still, it was, I, I fucking adored it. I'm sorry it took me so long to finally watch it. Yeah, I was a big fan. Like, I could watch it right now if I wanted to. I don't know. I, I get so defensive about comedy, which is weird because I'm not like a comedian. I'm just a big fan of it. I love comedy. I attempted it, and I was, uh, well, I attempt it every week. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, not every week. We took some weeks off. Oh, I'm still trying to be funny. It just oh. doesn't work. <laughs> you got a crowd of one. The world is your microphone. And Emma does not find me funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's just, the problem is, is that she hates She lives me. with you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's her biggest problem, yeah. let's be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get so defensive about comedy for some reason. I don't know why, though. I guess it's just because, like, Growing up, that was like my... That's what I always wanted to be was a stand-up comic. Yeah. And like growing up, that was my fucking heroes. That's what I watched all the time. Hell, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like right as like Comedy Central was getting big and they used to do the like Comedy Central Presents where they'd find up-and-coming comedians and give them a 30-minute show. Hmm. 
You just watch 30 minutes of stand-up. I would watch stand-up comedians all the time. It's just what I did. It was fun to me because, like, I was young. I was growing up. I had Comedy Central. I didn't sleep very well, so I was usually up to about 2 or 3 in the morning. So I watched a shit ton of stand-up comedy, and I was like, this is, like, awesome. I like making people laugh. Also, it was a little bit on the heavy side, and the only way to get laid when you're on the heavy side is to be rich or make people laugh. And Don't I know it. My, my family's pretty poor, so I had to try to be funny. <laughs> I think in my douchebag way of putting it, and like a giving it way too much of a uh, like a shine, I don't want to put, I don't want to talk too much out of my ass, but comedy is the last bastion of where truth comes from. Stand-up comedy and comedy in general, it, it's derived in truth. Like, the main platform of comedy is always truth you have to have a bit of truth into it and a joke to make people laugh because you have to relate to something a little bit to laugh at it because that's how jokes work like you have to be like oh i kind of think i know where this guy's going from and then you know or this guy or girl is coming from and then they they change it or they make it in like a funny way and you laugh at a joke one of two reasons one it's a total misdirect and you didn't expect it that way or two it hits on such a like deep level of your understanding you're like oh my god somebody else feels that too that's hilarious <laughs> like those that's the two way to make people laugh let me ask you with the, the pandemic and everything i know you've talked before about people like getting reps and having to like you know test out their material and stuff do you think it's going to be hurting comics for a while not being able to go out to clubs and um get that practice in yes and no the idea of i know for a little bit there and it might still be going on a decent amount of comedians were doing like Facebook Live stuff like that, like doing like live streaming. Oh, really? I think that's a terrible way to work out material. Yeah. As a guy who's had to do that himself and stuff like that, you need a live audience with you to know if material is going to work. You have to be able to hear the laughs, the sighs, whatever the fuck it is. You yeah. need to sort of be able to feel. Learn where to pause and yeah, how to. Learn yeah. the pauses. Feel the energy of the room. Like, I don't want to get too, like, metaphysical, hippie ish, like, I, like I'm from Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow, but. <laughs> You know, there's there's no rose quartz on my neck, but there is, when it comes to comedy, you got to be able to feel a room and sort of get it on your side, know what it is. That's why I always loved doing, uh, like, MC jobs when I was doing the Master of Ceremony jobs for the open mic nights. Because then I got to, instead of just doing a quick five, you know, five to eight minutes, I did about three minutes for four and a half hours, where, you know, it was... Well, not four and a half. It was about two hours. <laughs> that was a fucking total exaggeration. <laughs> but I was doing like quick two, three minutes every eight minutes or so for about two hours as I was introducing the next comic, trying to riff off what they had done, still trying to work on my own material, sort of reading the room, seeing where the room was at, kind of know what's going on. I just think doing the, the live streaming doesn't work because you can't feel the room as much. And you also got like a delay from the stream where if you're getting comments popping up, it's you've you've moved on to the, to the next joke when you see you know like a laugh or something like that come up yeah and comedy is just like in stand-up comedy for sure it's it, it's such a human like connection that you have to have with the room that you're in so do i think it's gonna affect it with the quarantine and everything yes and no i think truly good comedians are gonna be rusty for a little bit but I think they're going to get really good material, not just from being quarantined, but from being rusty when they first come up there. It's going to sort of reset the brain, kind of give you like a, a restart and being like, oh, fuck, it's almost like your first time going back up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I also think it might thin the herd out a little bit where we're going to get rid of a lot of shitty comedians because they're not going to be able to keep fucking making the same bullshit that they've been making. Or it could go the other way. And the way. clubs themselves are going to be limited. Like, that is true. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Although, when they finally lift like the full quarantine, I think we're going to get a giant influx of terrible comedians. Which makes me want to go back and start doing open mic nights again. Because <laughs> maybe I can have a little bit of softer competition around me and maybe I'll be alright. I might have to... You know what? I might have to try that in the next couple months here. Yeah. See if I can write like a tight five minutes. Written, tight, how I want to do it. And see what would happen with that. The only problem is... I can't have my friends there because I never used to invite any of my friends to any yeah. of my shows. Oh, yeah. Like, I would just, I'd tell everybody that I was a, you know, I, I did stand up comedy every now and then and stuff like that, but I would never tell them when I was going on or stuff like that because, or where, yeah. To me, it felt like a crutch. If I knew my friends were there, I knew I could make, you know, five or six people and, you know, you're in a room of 20 people anyway. Mm -hmm. I'm doing 
open mic nights Wednesday night in the middle of the loop in St. Louis. It's not like it's a fucking sold out show or anything like that. Yeah, you're not you're not at the Apollo. Exactly. <laughs> Wish I was. I got I'd have got caned out of that motherfucker real quick. <laughs> but uh you know, I never used to tell any of my friends when I was doing shows and stuff like that because I didn't like it felt like a crutch. If I were a really good comedian and I was doing, you know, 50, 150 person rooms and stuff like that, I'd obviously invite my friends at that point. But I can't do it when it's like a small room, you know, 30 to 50 people or something like that. Because two things. One, I'm nervous I'm going to get, or I'm worried I'm going to get nervous about it. Because you have to always go out there willing to fail. Yeah. That's the best way to do comedy is you have to be willing to bomb. Because bombing makes you a better comedian. Which you would think I'd be funnier, but I'm not. <laughs> uh, but also, I knew that if I knew people in the audience, that was gonna be that was gonna become a crutch to me, and I would just start throwing out like stupid inside jokes or something that like wouldn't technically be funny, but it's funny because I said it, and you know who I am, or something like yeah. that. And that gets in your mind too. Like, do you look at them, or do you not look at them? Exactly. Luckily, better usually, to avoid them or not? usually if you're in a good enough uh, club with the way the house lights work, you really can't see the audience too much except for like the five or six tables in front of you. Oh, okay. Other than that, you're just kind of seeing shapes and stuff like that, especially with me because I have terrible eyesight, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, which is nice. But yeah, I just, I, it's oddly, I took it so seriously it's, of the, all the things in my life I've ever taken seriously, like. My stand-up comedy career was it, and I failed it so fucking hard. <laughs> I like made like a fucking titanium zeppelin out of it, and it just did not fucking work. But uh, I just I didn't want to be a kind of guy who would just be hacky. I guess is the best way to put it. I didn't want to lean on something. I didn't want to even have the safety crutch of like, well, at least I got like six or seven of my friends out there. They're going to like cheer for me at least or something like that. Cause I, I wanted a hostile crowd. I wanted to be heckled a little bit and stuff like that and really sort of hone my uh, craft. I just wanted to be funny and it's not, it, it, it's, it's easy to be funny with your friends. It's harder to be funny with a room full of like nobodies. So yeah, I mean, I just, I just love comedy, man. I think it's great. I think making people laugh is the best thing to do. And I've always enjoyed making people laugh. And we'll see when it comes to the lockdown if how it goes. I feel like it's such a like fucking politician bullshit answer, but it's you're gonna get a little bit of both. I think you're gonna get an influx of shitty comedians at the beginning, but I think the really good comedians are gonna be like honed like a fucking Tori Hanzo fucking samurai sword where they've gone through like couldn't perform for fucking, you know, almost a year. I had to work on my material myself, and now I got to, like, and you go out there. Although, then again, now that I'm thinking about it, the crowds are going to be so willing to laugh the first couple months. Yeah. Like, because people are just going to want to be able to be outside and, like, have a drink with a stranger next to them. And, like, they'll laugh at anything. You can go out there and just be like, fucking Blue's Clues, right? And everybody will just laugh. It won't matter. Unless you get too non-PC, then they're going to try to cancel you. Fucking black clues, right? And they're like, boo! <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think uh, it's going to be a really good stepping stone slash learning experience for up-and-coming good comedians. That's what I think it's going to happen. I think it's a really good, like, honing edge kind of soapstone for everybody to really learn where it is your, your comedy is coming from. Look, whatever your style is, I think it's going to be a great way to hone it. Is by at first having like almost a soft crowd, they're going to be willing to want to laugh at anything, and they're going to be throwing out drinks anyway because the place is trying to make their fucking money back. So we'll have an influx of shit comedy, but I think three four months after that, we're going to have some really great fucking coming up comedians that are just like forged in fire, like you said, just hardcore fucking titanium steel, adamantium, Wakanda forever motherfuckers out here, ready to go. And we're going to get some great comedy in about 10 years. Nice. We're laying the groundwork now, and that's what matters. What about you? What do you think? I'm kind of worried about it. I think it's going to not be as good. Like the people that have gotten famous already, I don't know what really is. Like, are they going to be inspired to keep going, to to work as hard as they did before? Mm. I don't know. I don't know if they will or not. Especially, like I mentioned earlier, too, like the cancel culture type stuff. Like, how how timid are they going to be now? 
No, that's that is how, fair. How much are they going to try to tiptoe around issues that they would have just thrown out before? Yeah, that is one thing that like, I just I feel like that comedy has to be the no censor zone. Yeah, that's like that's the fringes. We need to be able to talk about anything, and you need to try to make it funny. Like it's just that's all you have to do. Because as soon as you start censoring comedy, or start saying like what you can and can't make fun of, you're not funny anymore. Yeah, comedy is dead. It doesn't worry me too much because I think the real comedians are always going to exist. Okay. We'll we'll find our uh, hour. I shouldn't say hour. I'm not part of comedians. I like to pretend I am, but comedians will always find their outlet. Comedians have existed since human civilization has existed. I mean, there's records of like an ancient Greece of basically like the start of the court jester before that thing was even a thing. Okay. There's always been funny people who performed to crowds and said things that was uncouth and beyond the pale kind of shit. That's happened since we were a civilization as a race. Since we've had a civilization and like once our main goal wasn't, are we going to be able to eat tonight and not get eaten by fucking saber tooth tigers about six months after that, we started making fun of each other. I mean, comedy started pretty much right after that. I think it's a it's a release valve in the human brain that we need. And it's just... The, the goal should never be to take yourself too seriously. Take your art seriously. Never take yourself seriously. The moment you take yourself seriously, you're not funny anymore. And you can never think of yourself as more important. And the same thing for your beliefs. Never think that your beliefs are more important than somebody else's beliefs. You just can't do it. If you can't laugh at yourself, I mean, you're just in a you're in a shit spot, man. Like nothing's <laughs> gonna work for you. I don't want to tell you. Like you're not living the real life. I don't know. I don't want to get too too deep or anything and too act deep. like like act like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I mean, comedy is it's the pressure valve of civilization, basically. Like how Tyler Tyler Durden says soap is the yardstick of civilization. Mm-hmm. Comedy is the pressure valve of civilization. It's what keeps us from crushing each other in the head with a rock and eating the brains. Like we need to be able to make fun of each other and ourselves at all times. There, there can be no off limits when it comes to comedy. But hey, the fuck do I know? Exactly. <laughs> We're about to find out in topic time oh shit it's topic time we didn't uh introduce this podcast or anything like that well, we, we said the name of it did we get the a to z yeah that's about it though okay okay well the a is andrew <laughs> i'm the z i'm zach sorry guys i mean i try to try to do the rule of like hey maybe there's a new listener every week but really i mean of all our listeners even the new ones that are getting turned on to this mm-hmm. they know the other ones so they probably know who we are or have heard of us you know who the fuck i am like i'm the og i've been on this block for years doug have you <laughs> since i was 13 motherfucker but no this is the az podcast andrew's the a i am the z sorry about that long rant i apologize although i think i made some very good points yeah well, i'll keep most of it i think i got a little uh like deep there like there was like some intellectual shit going on I kind of felt like an interviewer at one point there, like I was at like a late night talk show or something. Like I was like coaxing the, out of you. I was like the opposite of what I usually do. Yeah. Like I was like trying to make a point there. I apologize. Don't take me that seriously, guys. That was too late. That was the real point of that fucking thing. Is never take me seriously either, because Professor Melcher's here teaching you. <laughs> it's the professor of comedy. <laughs> it was the sequel to King of Comedy. Oh, okay. And then the Joker's the third one. <laughs> okay, topic time. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll go to topic time. No. We're going right into it. Okay, we'll go. Yeah. Topics. Topics right now. We have to do the topics. Fun story for this week. Starting yeah. us off, Elon Musk's brain company is hoping to make a cyborg monkey play mind pong. Finally. <laughs> Mr. Musk has uh, claimed that one of his companies has implanted a device into a monkey's brain and hopes to make it play mind pong with another cyborg monkey. This is like... The deleted scenes from the Terminator, like how Skynet becomes, <laughs> is it like thirty years beforehand? They're like, let's make one monkey play mind pong with the other one, and then thirty years later, there's just a giant yeah. uh, robot Arnold Schwarzenegger's killing all of us. <laughs> the ultimate aim of the company is to create a brain-computer interface with current trials focused on potentially using the technology to treat people with brain and spinal injury. I mean, it sounds great, but like I said, I think this just ends with like either Skynet or the Reapers. One of the two is going to show up. 
itself is made up of more than 3,000 electrodes that are capable of monitoring around 1,000 neurons. This is attached to threads slimmer than a hair, the so-called tiny wires that he spoke about. <laughs> tiny wires. Animal welfare within the realm of science is naturally a concern for many groups, but Musk claimed that you can't see where the implant is, and he's a happy monkey. It's true. He claims that an inspector from the U.S. Department of Agriculture said that the Neuralink Laboratory was, quote, the nicest monkey facility that they had ever examined. So everything's fine. All the monkeys are just jacking it, throwing shit around. <laughs> I mean, like, it's awesome, and, like, I want to get to that cyberpunk future, because mm. I'll, I'll be the first to sign up. Well, I'm not going to be the first, but... No, I wouldn't remember Second that. wave, I'll be on there, for sure. <laughs> I figured you'd wait for third wave, like your Scott. I like second wave Scott, too. I like them all. Second wave Scott is the two-tone Scott. It's the best oh, one. Okay. Not the best one, but it's it's a good one. It's A1. It's A1. Like the steak sauce? Yeah. <laughs> 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 So that was our wacky science story for the, I mean, the yeah, episode. I mean, like I said, it's awesome, and who doesn't love technology? But then it's also like, mm, this is like how those terrible Planet of the Apes sequels or prequels happen. So yeah. once James Franco gets involved, I'm going to be out of here. This next article is the technology that you've needed and wanted since you were a kid. Thank God. I thought I, thought I was going to be speaking to James Franco. I was like, ugh, oh, no, I no, hate no. that guy. So every kid had Nerf, Nerf Wars, obviously. Fuck yeah. They now have Nerf guns. That are like wanted. They curve the shot. shot. Look at yeah. that shit, dude. Oh man, like where the sh- where, where was this shit when we were kids? We would have played the fuck out of this. This is bullshit. Isn't that cool? Kids nowadays are so much like they're so spoiled. Yeah, they don't understand what it was like. <laughs> that was awesome though. Yeah, each of the three new blasters can fire a foam dart up, down, left, or right, so you can surprise opponents from any angle. You turn the rotating muzzle to choose which whether you want to go straight, left, right, or down. The only bummer is that you don't get to do the fun wanted thing where you gotta like twist your arm while you're doing it. Yeah. I actually love that movie. I'm, I'm a big fan of the comic book too. I think they're both really cool. Yeah. Isn't that cool though? Fuck yeah. Of course it's cool. I'm gonna buy some of these. That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> sort of movie news, more just like DC news. I know you're a big fan of the Snyder Cut. We've no. talked about that in previous podcasts. Well, I don't know if I am yet. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Well, the potential is there. But I am hopeful of the Snyder Cut. So you're, of course, going to want to purchase some of the merchandising that goes along with the movie. Obviously. And what better to start with than uh, Warner Brothers is offering a Justice League-themed meal kit called the Mother Box. (laughs) This is just like an MRE. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead and read through that. It's $130. Exactly. (laughs) Read through it. It's great. All right. Meal subscription boxes are all over the internet these days, are they? Yeah. But Don't only, you listen to podcasts? So they're all over Tazzy. But only one of them will allow you to order Justice League inspired junk food packaged inside a replica mother box. Warner Brothers is teaming with Wonderland Restaurants to launch Wonderland at Home, a service where hardcore fans with deep pockets oof, can order themed meal kits inspired by various Warner Media titles. Naturally, Zack Snyder's Justice League will be the first movie to get a meal kit, dubbed The Mother Box. This kit is priced at $130 for a two-person box and $260 for a four-person box. So they don't even give you a discount. They just yeah. make motherfuckers. <laughs> Think of it as a highbrow version of a Happy Meal tie-in. Look at these meals, though, dude. <laughs> Each box will include several pre-prepared refrigerated food courses and multiple drink options. There better be some fucking alcohol in them. All inspired by different Justice League characters or restaurants from the DC Universe. Wow, they're really fucking reaching there. Mm-hmm. Here's a breakdown of everything you get. You get Ocean Trench, which is fish and chips. <laughs> Big Belly Burger. Pretty self-explanatory, so you just get a burger. Resurrection. Yeah. Some sort of corn-based dish. What if it's just corn? Like, it's just like a fucking... Just an, like a half ear. It's like a, what if it's just a can of fucking Jolly Green Giant, like, whole kernel corn? <laughs> $130 for that. Ancient Themyscarian Fire. It's probably going to be Sriracha. Mm-hmm. Snacks and Extras. <laughs> that's a, that's so open. Cool Bra Beer. And Jitters Coffee. Canned cold brew coffee. I do like a good cold brew coffee. Do you really? Oh, yeah, no, it's pretty tasty. Okay. But, um... Yeah. Like... I'm a big DC fan, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck is dumb enough to pay for this shit? Are you shitting me? Look at that box, though. Isn't that sweet? No, it looks, it's made out of cardboard. That shit's going to fucking <laughs> disintegrate. Oh, man. For some fucking Frozen fist sticks <laughs> and a fucking, like, 
a hungry man dinner. Yeah, and some, some hot snacks, sauce which I'm assuming, and corn. Some hot sauce, a can of corn, and the <laughs> snacks, I'm assuming, are like Cheetos or something like that. Probably, yeah. Cool, the cool brow beer is going to be like a fucking Miller Lite, probably. And <laughs> cocksuckers. Uh, I cracked up when I saw that. I was like, oh, man. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this almost makes me not excited for this Snyder Cut, to be honest with you. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Well, then again, you get somebody to pay for it. Make your money, son, I guess. Yeah, there you go. I ain't falling for that. <laughs> Wrong audience, huh? I just hope you open the box. There's a bunch of, like, the... Uh, the like uh, kid quiz cuisine like frozen meals yeah <laughs> like I I want all the brownies I called the brownies <laughs> they should give you like a fucking edible with this should get like two two like heavy THC suckers that are like ring pops that look like the fucking Green Lantern <laughs> that's what they should give you with this then I'll pay one hundred thirty dollars for it but until then I'll buy my own fucking hungry man dinners go fuck yourself. <laughs> Even with the DC news, you got a new podcast you're going to check out soon, I think. Finally. Jim Gordon's actor, Jeffrey Wright, is going to voice Batman in a comedic podcast for HBO Max. And Jeffrey Wright plays Jim Gordon in... In the new uh, Batman, I think. In the Battinson? <clears throat> Not to believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I still love HBO Max, but... Yeah. So HBO Max has revealed Batman The Audio Adventures, which is a comedic take on the Caped Crusader featuring Jeffrey Wright as the voice of the Dark Knight. Dennis McNichols will write and direct the multi-episode podcast series. Should hit HBO Max sometime in 2021. Way to fucking narrow that down, boys. Yeah. Just like the corn that's coming in the fucking mother box. McNichols' history with SNL shines through in the cast of this podcast, which is filled with SNL alum amongst others. Alongside Wright, who will voice the titular character, the audio cast includes Rosario Dawson. I like her. Who has voiced Wonder Woman in previous DC projects. That is true. Oh, I didn't know she had done Batgirl before. It's kind of, oh, is it the Lego, bad? Yeah. I, I haven't seen that one yet. Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Alan Tudyk. He does a great uh, Joker. So Okay. He's the Joker from the Harley Quinn show. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Chris Parnell. Melissa Villasenor. Keenan Thompson, you think they're just going to make him, like, cyborg? <laughs> just be assholes. <laughs> uh, Heidi Gardner, Brooke Shields, Tim Meadows. Oh, I love Fr- Tim Meadows. Fred Armisen, Brett Spiner, John Leguizamo. Oh, shit. Ike Barinholtz, Bobby Moynihan. Nobody cares about him. Uh, Paul Shear. I actually like Paul Shear. Yeah. Ray Weiss, Ben Rogers, Katie Rich, Pete Schultz, Paul Appel, Toby Huss, and Nick Nichols as well. Who these actors are voicing has not yet been announced. Details regarding the plot of Batman, the audio adventures are unknown at this time, but it's meant to be a more comedic take on the otherwise very dark Dark Knight, which is reflected in the SNL-centric cast. I mean... You want more comedy? You like Batman? You like comedy? This is I comedy do. Batman. I like both of those things. We'll see how it works. <laughs> I just, I hope that the fucking writers are fans of Batman and they're not just going to be dicks. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't fucking know, man. That's a real... That's also, a hit also, or miss right there, like, yeah. You, we'll you tune into your streaming channel on HBO Max to listen to a podcast? Like, Apparently, how's that going <laughs> to... I guess. I mean, I have the app on my phone, so... <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that one. We'll keep that one up in the air. Okay. A little bit more DC news. This one... So they're bringing back comics that are based on Batman 89 and Superman 78 from mm. the, continuing the movie verses for both of those. Nice. I thought you, yeah. So the two movies that ignore the comics the most <laughs> are going to get comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not at this point, right? Like, yeah. I always like anything new. Like, do something with it. Everybody loves Batman 89. It was amazing. It's like the Christopher Nolan movies, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. That's basically how I look at it. Like, mm-hmm. is it a great Batman story? No, because he kills several people. But, I mean, it's clearly a bit of love there. Like, they kind of give a somewhat of a fuck. Okay. Yeah, so apparently it's going to ignore both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. That's a shame. Batman Forever is amazing. And will instead present an alternate continuation of Batman Returns that's more in line with director Tim Burton's vision. As long as I can still jack it to Catwoman, I don't care. The series will not only pay off on Returns' final shot by bringing back Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Oh, I can still jack it. We're good. It'll also revive abandoned Batman Returns plot threads by introducing a new Robin, <gasps> presumably Marlon Wayans' Dick Grayson. That's right. He was supposed to be Robin at first. I forgot about that. I did not realize that at all. That's the first I'd heard about it. 
And showing the Billy D. Williams version of Harvey Dent becoming Two Face. Ooh, that that would have been really good. Yeah. I was I was always kind of bummed that that never played out. We got some concept art. I mean, that Batman '89 suit is kind of like awesome. The fucking like the black with the yellow bat symbol always mm-hmm. looks good. I just I always dig that. Yeah, so this is going to be a redesigned bat suit that combines the classic '89 suit with elements of the animated series. That's my two favorite Batman's. We're good. We'll also see a civilian costume for Bruce, inspired by the Bruce Wayne action figure from Kenner's Batman Returns line. Okay, I think I actually had that action figure. Really? When I was younger. I'm not. I think I did. <laughs> Concept art also shows Bruce with graying temples, suggesting the book is set years after the events of Batman Returns, but before Bruce has grown too old to continue his war on crime. So it's not quite Batman Beyond yet, but yeah. we're getting there. Superman 78, however, is <clears throat> set fairly early in the Man of Steel's costume career before Lois Lane uncovers his secret. Mm. Superman 78 explores how the citizens of Metropolis come to grips with the discovery that a man can fly. <laughs> it's unknown whether the series will introduce new takes on familiar Superman villains. Just like the idea of that being the whole story. Like, <laughs> I think I can fucking fly. Like, he's doing everything else that Superman does, but it's like, yeah. you can fucking fly. Can yeah. you believe that shit? That's crazy. <laughs> both are going to be uh, digital only and run for 12 chapters. First six chapters of both series is launching in July, with new chapters following once a week for the next six weeks. Okay. And then they are going to do print issues, collecting two chapters each, published between August and October, with hardcover collections to follow right before Christmas time. Okay, yeah, I'll probably go for the hardcovers then. Yeah. And the timing of the Batman United announcement is intriguing, given that Keaton is reportedly preparing to reprise the Batman role in the upcoming Flash movie. I've heard this, yeah. Could this series help fill in some of the missing gaps in the Batman 89 timeline? I, th- I think we actually talked about him coming back for the Flash movies. Yeah. Podcast, I'm not mistaken. Assuming the book is successful, we can only hope DC will announce a follow-up project that would more directly set the stage for the older Bruce Wayne of the Flash. Right on. So, yeah. I mean, I'm always down for more Batman. Yeah. So, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the comic news going. This one is uh, pretty cool. I think you're going to like it. They're bringing back, basically, the old school, like, EC horror comics. Excellent. And, uh... It's called Red Room, and it's from Ed Piscor, which I'd never heard of him, but apparently he's been pretty big lately. Uh, really, really unique visual style. Okay. He did books like X-Men Grand Design and something called Hip Hop Family Tree, which I'd never heard of. I can't say I've read either of them, to be honest with you. <clears throat> but now he's making the jump to a creator-owned horror with Red Room. And I like so, horror comics. I adore horror comics. Yeah. So check out some of these images. Pretty cool. Well, so. that right there I already love because it looks like a fucking classic 50s like mm-hmm. slasher fucking movie poster. Yep. I like the art a lot. Yeah, he's got a very distinct style. You get the classic facial expressions and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, this looks awesome. So as you can tell from the distinctive black and white art style, it's an homage to the classic horror comics of the 50s before the advent of the comics code. So in this twisted world, murder has become one of the most popular forms of entertainment. <laughs> Brutal killings are live-streamed on the dark web to an ever-growing audience, and cryptocurrency makes killing a lucrative business. Excellent. Red Room will focus on a number of standalone but interconnected stories, exploring this seedy world of death and depravity. That sounds a little bit like uh, Sin City, then. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like sort of connected but standalone t- stories, uh, right. and they're doing black and white, mm-hmm. like a dark... Okay, yeah, right Overly on. gory, and yeah. The creator, when he was interviewed, said, uh, Red Room is a cyberpunk, outlaw, splatterpunk comic that you can't unsee once you feast your eyes on the mayhem. My dick just got hard reading that whole sentence. I'm so excited, I'm so excited already. Yeah. Think of Red Room as modern-day EC comics infused with the dream of Black Mirror. Ooh. These are subversive, standalone stories that are all part of a larger, twisted narrative. This is no-holds-barred cartooning. Nice. Fantagraphics is the perfect publisher for this book because... Gary Groth. Gary Groth, thank you. He's a fighter. I'm going to push the boundaries with this book, and I knew I needed to have a publisher that will unequivocally have my back. Fuck yeah. Set to run for 12 issues total with the oversized first issue clocking at 64 pages. Hell yeah. And the remaining 11 at 32 pages each. And then Fantagraphics will also collect the series in a trio of trade paperbacks beginning in the fall. That's what I'm going to get. I, I always do my uh, trade paperbacks. Yeah. That's what I fall for. Yeah, issue number one is priced at six ninety nine, but you're getting sixty four fucking pages for it's it. So it. yeah, and it's on Comicsology apparently. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coming so uh, May nineteenth is the first issue. Okay, so out. I'll be able to read it on my phone, then I'll just buy the <coughs> the trades afterwards. That's yep. perfect. No, that looks awesome. That's mm-hmm. like right up our fucking alley. Absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely want to share that with you. Hell yeah. Put it on your radar. And then we got some more news from uh, your buddy Todd McFarlane. Yay! And he's going to be spinning out Spawn into his own comic book universe finally. Good for him. 
After publishing his signature creation for nearly 30 years, Todd McFarlane is ready to go next level with Spawn. The legendary creator is launching a Spawn universe with his iconic anti-hero as the centerpiece of the interconnected line. The timing seems right, given that by Image Comics measure, sales of the flagship Spawn comic increased in 2020 by 200%. Really? Thanks in large part to the momentum gained from the build-up to the landmark issue number 300. That right. We talked about. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. That's right, yeah. During a phone conversation with IGN, McFarlane went into detail about many of the projects he has in the works, but he reserved the majority of his legendary enthusiasm for the expansion of the Spawn Empire, calling it his most significant comics-based decision he's made since he left Marvel to help launch Image. Do you think we get a uh, Defiler spinoff? <laughs> that would be sick. That would be amazing, right? Yeah. So he's initially going to do it with uh, three ongoing titles every other month, alternating between them. Okay. To go along with the OG Spawn comic, which will continue to be monthly. But he's vowed never to renumber. A lot of people have been giving him pressure on that before, because you know, number okay. ones always sell so much. Right, you yeah. Know. So the three new books for now are The Scorched, Gunslinger Spawn, and King Spawn. I'm in. The Scorched is supposed to be Spawn versus version of a team book. While Gunslinger Spawn will follow the adventures of the fan favorite Hellspawn from the Old West, who recently oh, yeah. returned after a long absence in 309. With King Spawn, McFarlane jokes that Al Simmons has waited long enough for another book. <laughs> if Spider Man can have eight titles and Batman can have three series, then Spawn can have two. Fuck it, I've been a good boy, McFarlane says. I put in my 28 years, and I think I can reward that character with a second book. Fuck yeah. Anything you want. <laughs> yep. Anything you want, Bo. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. As mentioned earlier, he stated he'd never renumber the original series because he feels it's a cheap way to boost sales. However, one reason he's excited to launch King Spawn is it will be the first new ongoing Spawn title since 1992. The year I was born. Think about that. And the reason that one's a big deal is because if you were 30 years old or younger, you've never had the chance to buy a Spawn number one monthly ever. That is true. Like Woodstock, you should have been there, kid. So I want to <laughs> see what if I can bring it a new generation of people that'll go, I'm going to see what this is all about. I could see Spawn getting pretty big and like, I mean, since it's, you know, I mean, it's not that it's gotten slow, but no. like, if you really bring it to the spotlight now, I feel like people would go for Spawn nowadays. Oh, yeah. Hey, he's even in Mortal Kombat 11, so yeah. there we go. We're all set. Spawn's yeah. awesome. I love this quote here. He said, uh, I don't want to do a world that is littered with Spawn knockoffs, he continues. <laughs> I don't have any interest in that, and I don't think long term, neither will the readers. What we need to do is populate them with characters. Whether some of those are related to sort of the mythology of the original Spawn character, that may be. But what should happen, especially as time goes by, is that they should all sort of have their own personalities and their own characters. And the majority of them will have nothing to do with Spawn. Oh, he's, just, he's basically just trying to start his own fucking comic book publishing at this point. Yep. He he's wants like, his fuck, universe to ultimately like, feel like Marvel, Marvel and DC. Exactly. I was going to say, he was trying to say, fuck Marvel and DC... They've been shooting me down on everything I've wanted to do for 30-something years. I'm making my own shit now, motherfuckers. Let's go. Yeah. He says, uh, the way it used to work is, say Spider-Man was in Marvel Team-Up, and he'd say, man, this is harder than fighting Doctor Doom, and then would have a little editor's note box, and it would say, see Amazing Spider-Man number five. Right. I don't want to be a slave to continuity. I don't want that to be a thing. But there's going to be an acknowledgement that all of this obviously is playing in the same arena. If I do my job in 2021, this will be a marker in the long road of my comic legacy. This is a big deal for me. How many more fucking markers does he need? Exactly. I mean, come on. (laughs) Todd McFarlane, for God's sakes. Dude, I'm so fucking into this. Oh, yeah. This is like... Got new toys coming out. And then I wanted to also bring up, since we mentioned it before, obviously. Then there's the long gestating Spawn film. It's become a quixotic quest for McFarlane as he's been working on the movie and talking about it for the better part of a decade. He sounds as frustrated as his fan base by the constant delays. <laughs> Go ahead and read his quote there. Okay, uh, so said, uh, Todd says, It is frustrating, not because we're not doing anything, but because I can't really say what we're doing, and that's the frustrating part. So I can unequivocally keep saying that this thing is moving forward and we're adding new pieces. We just added another piece literally a couple of weeks back. Everybody's focus is that we want to make some tangible movements before we go public with news. Hopefully in the first half of this year, and in an ideal world, what that would mean is that we've locked down the script, we've found the studio, and then, depending on where this world's at, <laughs> we've maybe even penciled at a production start date. Okay, so he's like ready to go fucking gun-ho then. Mm-hmm. Uh, McFarlane confirmed that all key players previously announced for this movie, including stars Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner, Remain attached, and yes, he still intends to direct the movie. Thank God. He really needs to fucking direct it. Oh, yeah. If and when it finally gets the green light, and as he says, I know it seems like a con and people have heard that before and whatever else, he notes, but it's not. This just takes time. And there are other people and their lawyers and PR people and all that other stuff that we have to be mindful of. 
So it sounds like a lot of those like doom and gloom articles that were coming out like a month ago are just right. like, you know, whatever. You know, they just got to work through all the bullshit mm-hmm. in order to get done. He seemed, he seemed pretty adamant, so... It, sadly, it's show business, so there is business involved, and mm-hmm. you gotta go through that. And I mean, like, I love Spawn. I I love the animated series that was on HBO back in like, the early two, 2000s. Mm-hmm. I even like the fucking Spawn movie with, uh, what was his name, Michael J. White? Yeah. I think it's a fucking... Like really Wazamo. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I like it a lot. I just love the character of Spawn. I think he's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it seems like we're going to eventually get there as long as the earth doesn't implode or freeze mm-hmm. over where the fuck is happening right now. But I'm really happy that he is going to direct it. Yep. Because Todd McFarlane is an amazing person. Oh, yeah. And is so creative and awesome and just has a great eye for storytelling. Absolutely. And world building and things like that. It's again, it's like what I always talk about where it's people who give a fuck about the character being in control of it and I, and I almost can promise you that's why it's taken so long to get this in production mm-hmm. is that he wants to be a part of it right because like with the original spawn movie like he was maybe a producer on it maybe like i, I don't even know if that's 100 percent true i think they just basically gave him some money and he was like yeah i guess just here's kind of the outline trying to fuck it up and they said fuck you nerd yeah. we're gonna fuck it up as much <laughs> as we want although michael j white is kind of a badass and i'm a big fan of him he was but uh yeah, I mean, just anything that involves more Spawn is always oh, yeah. good. So yeah, that new uh, the new Spawn story with Al is coming Spawn Universe number one, hitting in June. And then we'll be followed by the debut of uh, King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, and The Scorched in the later half of the year. Nice. I'm really looking forward to Gun- Gunslinger Spawn. That yeah. should be really good. We're moving some video game news. Lately, it seems like almost every episode we do, I have to bring up another crazy awesome Doom mod. Yeah. So, the latest one. I love them. This one turns Doom into a first-person Castlevania. <laughs> Check this shit out, dude. Isn't that awesome? It's fucking fantastic. Oh, it's so good. Although, I will admit that uh, apparently played in 3D makes the first stage of Dracula's boss fight way easier. <laughs> yeah. Just to fucking strafe. That's awesome. Have you ever watched the fucking Netflix anime on Castlevania yet? Uh, just the first season. I need to catch up on it's it. It's good shit, dog. Yeah. It's real good shit. It stays pretty consistent. Oh, fuck yeah. It gets okay. better, honestly. Really? I was a big fan. Nice. There's what, it. three seasons now? I think so, yeah. Okay. I just, I fucking love Castlevania. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Moving into some TV news to finish out. Uh, the secondary show, The Witcher Blood Origin, oh, now yeah, has yeah. a starring cast, oh, Jody okay. Turner-Smith, who is an elite warrior ba- blessed with the voice of a goddess. Aeon? Aeon? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I mean, I've I've read all the Witcher books. I yeah. can't really place it. Oh, yeah, th- this is all way before. It's like a it's super prequel. Like super, mm-hmm. okay, so yeah, it's like the... Yeah, she like plays a, an elite really warrior blessed with the voice of a goddess who has left her clan in position as Queen's Guardian to follow her heart as a nomadic musician. Hmm. A grand reckoning on the continent forces her to return to the way of the blade in her quest for vengeance and redemption. Nice. So yeah, there's not a whole lot to go on, as it is a prequel set 1,200 years before the main show, a period that's never explored in any depth in the original novels. The show's logline reads, it's set in an elven world 1,200 years before the world of the Witcher. Blood Origin will tell a story lost to time, the creation of the first prototype Witcher, and the events oh, wow. that led to the pivotal conjunction of the spheres, oh, wow. okay. when the world of monsters, men, and elves merged to become one. Right, I mean, that's where the Witchers came from, is after the conjunction of the spheres. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's being developed by the original series showrunner, Lauren Schmidt-Hissrich. Okay. And also Declan DeBar, who wrote the season one episode of Banquets, Bastards, and Burials. Oh, what a great episode that was. And this show will be uh, six episodes long. This is exciting. However, I need my second season of The Witcher. Yeah, that's also coming still too. Get your ass back to work, motherfucker. And Netflix is also working on an anime adaptation. Ooh. uh, Which is an anime adaptation of the video games, apparently. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Which they said those are all after the the games, right? Yes. Or I mean, after the books. Yeah, all the Witcher games take place after the books. Okay. So there you go. We got three different timelines going now. I'm into it. I love it all. I like anything involving the Witcher. I'm yeah. a huge fan of it. Speaking One of, of which, favorite fantasy uh, universes. Taking a little side pivot here. Not exactly a TV topic, but there's a new board game coming out called The Witcher Old World that'll nice. be set before Geralt's career. Ooh. Uh, CD Projekt Red is co-publishing, 
Okay. It's a board game from Go On Board that explores the world of The Witcher in the years before Geralt took up his sword. Designed by Lucas Wozniak, the creator of Titans and Valhalla, it's a deck-building game that will support between two and five players, set around a competition between Witchers, where each player is aligned to one of the five Witcher schools. Mm, the wolf nice. for sword combat, the griffin for magic, the cat for speed, the bear is defensive, and the viper is poison. Got all five of the schools, good for them. Although Viper's not technically a school. They oh, got really? uh, cast out because they became assassins, so the Witchers cast them out. Oh. Just you know. Players will be provided with a deck of ten cards that are suited to their chosen school, which include attacks, blocks, dodges, and magical signs, which will then be used in combat encounters. Killing monsters will provide players new cards to add to their deck, gradually building the ability to play powerful combos. So the game kind of levels up with you. As okay. you're killing monsters, you get more cards to even play against some other tougher monsters and stuff. Players are, uh, Can I play to... this by myself so I don't have to force you guys to play with me? Or... Apparently not. They said two to five players, Damn. so you need at least okay. somebody else. So. Yeah, to force you guys to do it, though. Mm-hmm. Success in quests is important as the first player to earn a certain amount of trophies will be crowned the winner. The competition between players will also result in fights between rival witchers. And it wouldn't be a Witcher game without tests of your moral fiber, so there are also narrative decisions to make as the game progresses. Nice. It's going to be launched through Kickstarter. The campaign is set to be launched in May. With an April 2022 window for the full release of the game. It's right on my birthday, that'll work. First images of the game show that it will come with at least two miniatures. We had a Witcher casting Igni? Igni? Yeah, it's the Ig- Igni. It's okay. the fire spell. And a Wendigo? Wendigo? Wendigo. Wendigo. Okay. Someone, see, I thought, I thought it was a Leshen. Okay. I like it. I'm in. Okay. I enjoy it a lot. I All like right. anything involving the Witcher. This last bit of news just broke yesterday. They're doing a Wednesday Adams live action series coming to Netflix from Tim Burton. What's it rated? I'm not sure. I mean, Netflix, so they don't really have a rating. I need nudity. This will be a eight-episode live action series based on the Adams family character Wednesday Adams. Tim Burton is set to direct the series, marking his first time directing for television. Wednesday Adams is one of my first crushes ever. Huge crush on Wednesday Adams. It's Christina Ricci, and she was like my age. Yeah, you think still it could her. still be her? Oh my god! I right. Hope so. While historically Wednesday is skewed on the younger side, depending on the adaptation, Wednesday the series will see her arrive at Nevermore Academy, where she'll learn to control her psychic powers, deal with murderous monsters, and what else? Solve a mystery involving her parents. Nice. I didn't know she had psychic powers. Yeah, that's in the like comic books or whatever. Oh, right. for, yeah. Okay. They didn't really get touched on in the movies. I love the Adams family. The movies are so fucking good. Well, the yeah. first two are really good. Yeah. We don't have to talk about the third one. Okay. But yeah, Wednesday. Apparently, episode. that animated one that came out last year was actually decent. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't I either. Know. But yeah, apparently it's really good. I have heard some decent things. But yeah, Wednesday Adams is like with Christina Ricci. It was like one of my first crushes, along with also Christina Ricci and fucking Casper. <laughs> I'm just really into Christina Ricci. Maybe. I mean, I am. Oh, yeah, oh okay. she's fucking gorgeous. She's <laughs> so hot, even in Black Snake Moan. Yeah, I didn't see that one. You can see her titties on that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. well, you've already take, seen it then. What do you mean? Take, because there's no such thing as too many titties. <laughs> it's the same reaction scene the first time as it is the, the thousandth time. It's always awesome and just a treasure. That's awesome. I'm fucking super. That's a great poster, by the way. Yeah, it was. That's some good shit. You want to kick us on out of here, I guess? Yeah, sorry. I had to take a sip of beer. I don't think we have any questions. It's been a while. Oh. So. It's been a while. Throw a giant shout out to everybody who's been supporting us. Um, I appreciate it, guys. Hope you had fun. I know I did. It was. It was a nice little pleasant one. It was. This was a good one. Get us back in the swing of things here. Hopefully, yeah. you know we're shaking the rust off here. Yeah. It's gonna be all right. Yeah. You know they can't always be the best episode ever. Not not everything's gonna be Rise of Sky Melcher. That's right. Just, there's nothing you can do about that. And this is only sixty one. We're building towards sixty nine. We're Sixty nine is gonna be insane. I'm oh. just gonna just slap my dick on the table for an hour and a half. There you go. Sound like that the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> no but seriously guys thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it sorry it took us so long to get in there we had some uh, wild shit going on as always we love you very much if you want to get a hold of us you can follow us on twitter uh, Andrew is at Melchno <laughs> wow I'm taking over the account huh fuck alright hang on let me try again no, I'm keeping that in as always, guys, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Andrew is at BigGuyACV. That's me. Yeah. Uh, you can follow him there. You can follow me at Melch Knows Best, M-E-L-C-H Knows Best. 
I mean, we, we both just pretty much tweet about well, You don't actually tweet that often. Not really. Some I, retweets here and there. But. I like to do a lot of memes and hockey talk. It's about what I do a lot of yeah, on, on Twitter. Your, you're kind of in your peak form right now. We also have uh, just the podcast has its Twitter as well. That's at the A to Z show. With the number two. Yeah. And then if you don't want to be caught on a social media platform talking to us or being connected to us in any way, which I get, we all got to make our money. You can also send us some emails a to Z show dot ask at gmail dot com. Okay. You can send us questions, comments, concerns, nudes, uh, nudes, manifestos, feet pics, uh, recipes, garlic bread, pictures of your cats, all of those he walks. things. Yeah, you can send all of those. You can also send all those to my Twitter if you want as well. My DMs are open, or just send it to my timeline. I don't give a fuck. I'm a very open person. And uh, besides that, I think that's everywhere you got to get. That's the best ways to get a hold of us. You also, if you don't mind, uh, if you're busy or if you're not busy right now. Even whatever, if you are busy, we don't care. Whatever device you are casting this pod on, be sure to uh, you know, give us a rate and a review. Try to push us up there. We'd like to make some money off this eventually where I can stop working and just podcast. There you go. That would be awesome. Then it doesn't matter if your back's hurt. We'll exactly. just throw a mic down on the floor. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, fucking just hang it over my face like a fucking uh, Boom, kil- yeah. like a kielbasa sausage. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Be funny. <laughs> be, be more funny. But no, seriously, guys, follow us on all of those things. Thank you so much for listening. Give us the rates, the reviews, the likes, all that shit. We need all of that. And uh, hope you had a good time. I know I did. I love you, Andrew. Love you, buddy. I love all of you guys even more. And we will see you uh, next time.